0: Tell him that I spoke on Hebrews, so <laughs> I am in no way, shape, or form trying to uh, follow up where he's at. Uh, this is just something that I, I really feel like uh, God was uh, directing me in this week as I was preparing. So uh, we're going to be in Hebrews twelve, and then we're going to shoot over to James chapter one. They're literally a page or two separating one another. So as you turn to Hebrews twelve, um, I'll just give you a, a brief kind of synopsis of. Uh, one of the things that kind of jumped out of here, and and that is Hebrews 12 talks about a race. It talks about a a race that is marked out for us. And one of my favorite movies from the 90s was a movie called Cool Runnings. Uh, I don't know who else is familiar with that movie. Oh, thank you for those hands, a few. Appreciate that. Uh, I know I'm not the only one that watches uh, wild movies now. Um, And so Cool Runnings is about a Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, okay, you get the uh, kind of the oxymoron there. Here is Jamaican, there is no ice anywhere in sight, and they send a group of very fast runners to uh, the Winter Olympics for um, you know, sledding or tobogganing or racing, bobsledding. And you can imagine these guys who had never been on ice before, who had never been bobsledding, who had never been even in a professional bobsled, uh, you could see how the movie would play out. And it was just so exciting uh, of a movie because here you got guys that are really the, the lowest on the totem pole and they move their way up. Um, and there's other parts of the movie that just kind of stepped out to me. And I'm going to share those with you as we, uh, as we walk through Hebrews chapter 12 here. I'm going to start at verse 1, if you can follow along with me. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray that these words, Lord, from your word, would just be embedded into our hearts and mind today. Lord, I pray that as we uh, seek to understand them, that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding and wisdom in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first part of the chapter discusses this great cloud of witnesses. And for those of you that uh, may have already known Hebrews 11, it talks about the chapter of faith. It talks about all the Old Testament characters that had faith, that had a, uh, a faith in, in God when there was really no other thing to choose except their own path, their own way. And so when the writer of Hebrews discusses this crowd, he's talking about those who chose to follow God in faithfulness and in deed and in action beyond what they could see, beyond understanding what was before them, beyond going um, or beyond knowing what was uh, going to happen. They chose by faith to follow after the Lord in this. And he continues to say, he says, there's such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off." everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And that is a part of Scripture that jumps out to me because throughout Scripture, you hear these great men of faith, these great men, these great leaders of the church talk about how we have to continue to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Christian, there are, there are things in our lives that easily entangle us. There are areas of, for each one of us that if we step even close to, will draw us in, will pull us away from the Lord. And so it's just a great reminder here, again, that the writer of Hebrews says, let's, let's run away from those things. Let's throw them off of us. Let, us. let us pull away from those things and not worry about them. But then he goes on to say this. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I've read this scripture for years and years, and I've never seen this, it's never popped out to me, and, and it just it popped out this week as I was reading this, that there isn't just a race set before us, because we know that Paul discusses about, um, you know, sharing our, our life as, in Christ as a race that we're supposed to strive towards the high calling in Christ, you know put on our shoes, uh, be prepared for those things. And so Paul prepares us for that. Paul talks about that. Other scriptures discuss this race that we are living now in the the body that we are in. But this scripture points out that not only are we in a race, but the race is already marked out for us. Now, that is amazing to me because I'm not a racer. I've never ran a race. (laughs) Um, in high school, there used to be these guys that would go cross-country, and first of all, I would wonder how in the world they would know where, where to run, because there would be no race that I knew of. I mean, they'd be running in a field for miles and miles, and I didn't see anything, but they knew the race that was set before them. They knew what to look for. They knew the flags that were on the side of the, uh, on the, side of the field or where they were going. And like the movie I was discussing before, the Cool Runnings movie, in a, in a bobsled race, Those people that are preparing to go into the bobsled and get on the ice and go down the turns, they are already prepared for the race. There's a scene in the movie where um, the the main actor, the main character, DeRice, he's sitting on the floor in his room. And he's preparing for the next race by looking over the pictures that are before him. And he's seeing these 90-degree these turns, and he's seeing the hairpin turns. And all of a sudden, you can see him, and he just kind of closes his eyes, and he puts the pictures down, and he pretends that he's in the bobsled, and he begins to just feel the wind in his hair and, and begins to realize the turns that are coming up the turns that will be coming up in this race. It's almost like he had a plan going into the race. He did. He had the photos in front of him. And this scripture tells me that Christ, that God has a, a, a race that's marked out for us, that we are in a position where we can see things that are coming up ahead of us. We may not know exactly what they are. We may not be able to point them out particularly, but that is still marked out for us. We can see the, the, the flags up, or we could see the 90-degree turns or the hairpin turns that are coming in, in our lives or in our situations or in our families. And one of the things that is exciting about the fact that we can see these things is that we can prepare for them. And I'd like to turn just to James chapter 1 for a moment. Uh, and share with you because I believe really that when we talk about a race that is marked out, we have the ability to either stay on the marked out path and follow the, the finish line in sight, or we have the ability to kind of you know, decide that we know better and we can go off that marked path. There is a story uh, that I heard recently about a marathon runner who um, they were running a marathon and he was in the lead. And he had thought that he had seen uh, kind of a, 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 I don't know, a, a break in the action where he would be able to take a little shortcut and would be able to hop right back on the, the same race that they were on. And so this was in like a, a neighborhood setting. And so he decided to hop in between these houses and kind of run around. He was already in the lead, but he thought, wow, this would give him even more of a lead. And he took this path off into the... In, to these houses, in, in these backyards and things. And he ended up on the street and he looked around. There's no one else around. He said, oh, I'm just going to keep going. And he keeps going and he keeps going. And literally he gets himself 10 miles off of where the finish line is because he had his own desires in mind. He had his own thoughts in mind. He had planned this thing out. And James teaches us this very openly and honestly. James is a hard hitter in the Bible. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't use any flowery words. He just tells you how it is. And in James 1... Um, I want you to consider, consider these verses in verse 2. Let's read through this. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now that sounds like a pretty uh, marked out plan or race to go on, that when you have a trial, you have, to, you have to have joy. You've got to find some peace in that because at the end of that trial, you're going to develop perseverance. That, that moving through that trial, that situation is going to develop perseverance in your life. And when it's finished, you're going to be mature. You're going to be complete. You're going to be growing in the spirit of God. You're going to be a mature Christian. On the other hand, James goes into the perspective of if you don't follow that, uh, that race, if you don't follow the way that Christ has laid it out, and he goes into this in verse 13, if you could just hop over there. It says in verse 13, when, um, I'm sorry, let's start in verse 12. Blesses is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. That is good. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. I would say that man that was on that marathon was dragged away by his own evil desires. He was enticed to take a a second route. And in verse 15 it says that after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And so if you will, you have two paths that James lays out here before us and says there is a path that when a trial comes up, you can choose to take it, you can persevere through it, you can be strong in the Lord in it, and you can move on and be mature in those things, or you could take the other route, which is to say there's a trial in my life. I can't believe God is trying me. Why does God do this to me? At that point, you fall into your own desires. You fall into looking to resolve things by yourself, and you begin to go down the path of not having faith in God or persevering through the trial, but having these desires to see yourself out of this trial, which gives birth to sin, and then we know sin brings death. And so this takes us back into Hebrews, where we talk about this race that is marked out before us. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, even after he talks about the race that is marked out before us, he says, there's a finish line, there's something at the end, there is something that you can look to that does not change, that will not you know, uh, be hidden from view. There is something before you that the fog cannot Uh, can cannot blur out there is something before you that cannot change and that something is christ amen christ is set before us as a finish line we have an example of how to live a live a life of faithfulness of pureness of joy even in trials and in tribulations through jesus christ consider this what what the writer of hebrews says he says um, let us fix our eyes on jesus let us fix our eyes on Jesus in a race that, that, that person that's leading the pack has to fix their eyes on the next step in front of them. They have to fix their eyes on what the next turn is because if they don't, they're going to they're gonna miss it and they're going to go off. They're going to go off, into the, the, off the road or off the path. And, and before you know it, everybody else is going to pass them up. The writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Christ who is an example before you. Amen. He says, fix your eyes on Christ, the one who is the, is the one who went before you, who thought it not that it was so, so difficult to live a life that was fulfilling the things of God. He did not choose um, to say when there were trials and tribulations that oh man, I can't believe God is putting me through this. This is so difficult. But he chose to enjoy to deal with those things. Now, let's speak real quickly to joy because I know as I'm talking through this and I say that word joy, some of you are like, how am I supposed to be joyful when everything in my life just stinks? That's a true statement. And I know a lot of folks that feel that way. Joy is not happiness. Let's break that down. Joy is not happiness. Joy is when we can say that we know at the end of all of this, There is a righteousness that is waiting for us. There is a reality in Christ that we can live towards, that we can pursue, amen? It doesn't mean that we're just going to have our trials, you know, go past us. Jesus said, listen, you're living in the world. This is a difficult place. You will have trials. A lot of us of Christians think that when we accept Christ, we automatically, you know, amen, everything's grand, you know, and we walk around, and we tell all of our friends, everything's great, and all of us, our life is just crumbling from the inside out, and we need to fo- fix our eyes on Christ, who is the author, who is the finisher of our faith. He is that finish line. He is the, the end-all, be-all, and if we keep our eyes focused on him, our joy doesn't come out of ourselves. It doesn't come out of our own ways. It doesn't come out of knowing, okay, this is how I'm going to this, And this is how I'm going to get out of this situation. This is how I'm going to get out of debt. And this is how, you know, God's going to save me from this thing. But if we fix our eyes on Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to well up within us that joy and that passion and that love so that even while we're in distress, even while we're in need, although those are things that are going to come out in our human nature, we're also going to have a a sense of knowing of being, being loved and cared for by a holy God, who even in the Old Testament, provided for people that there were no food around and all of a sudden birds would bring them food amen god can do the same thing for us it may not be a bird bringing it to us but it might be the lighthouse it might be someone else who might show up at our door and say here this is for you you know god spoke to me take this and god will continue to do that if we fix our eyes on him and this is the this is the issue as we are sitting here in a race all of us There are marker points set out before us. There are areas where we can look to. We know there are going to be turns. We know there are going to be hairpin curves. We know there are going to be dips. There are going to be ups. There are going to be downs. Christ has promised us that. But he has also promised us that if we keep our eyes fixed on him, that we can have joy. That we can have joy in our trials. That we can persevere through them and that when we are through them, we will have a maturity in Christ. We will have a a competency, a maturity, a righteousness through Him and through those trials. The Bible goes on to say, and I'm not going to spend many minutes here, but I want to do this before we get back into a time of worship. And it is that that the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews, in in verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Wow, what a... What a heavy, heavy point to make. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, and I would say as daughters. Consider this. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose your heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure endure hardship or trial as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children. Wow. God has has accepted us. What does the Bible say? He has adopted us through Christ. We are not illegitimate children. We are his own. And yet some of us, when we go through trial, we feel as if God has left us. It's just the opposite. God's love is so much towards us that He allows us to go through these things so that through them we can persevere and and at the end we can have a righteousness, a maturity in our lives. As we go back into a time of worship, I would just like for you to consider that. Where is your focus at? What are you focusing on? What is the what what is your finish line? What's your next turn in the road? Are you focused on Christ or are you focused on your, yourself and how you're going to resolve the things in your life? Because there's a major difference. We can, we can know that God has gifted us in areas and we can know what our passions are and our purposes are and what we can do with our hands and what we can do with our minds. But there's a, there's a beyond that, when, when we go through our trials, are we trying to resolve them with our own purposes in our own ways? Or are we taking the time to consider the finish line and the way that Christ would have us go through these trials? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank